We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to continue our series of celebrating different players' contribution or different people within the organization. And to me, this is the most important person in the whole why things went the way that they did. Uh, chose He chose Lakers in free agency two years ago. First season did not quite go the way that we had hoped. We talk and, talked about uh, some of the snake-bitten nature of that. But this season was everything we hoped it would be and more. And in large part, it's because of LeBron James and his not only his abilities on the court, but his abilities off of it. He had a great quote during the NBA Finals uh, talking about somebody asked, why does he and AD work so well together? This is what he said. He said, we're not jealous of each other. I think that the best that's the best thing. In professional sports, you have guys that join forces to become alpha males. That's what they call them. Two guys that have been dominant in a specific sport on their own respective teams. And they get together and they talk about how dominant they can be. And they talk about this is going to be this and that. 
I believe jealousy creeps in a lot. And that is absolutely contrary of what we are. We know who we are. We know what we're about. We want the best, seriously, every single day, both on and off the floor for one another. And so, Mike, this gets me to to thinking, he's been in that role, we've talked about this, of being the best player on the team for 17 seasons now, and one of the best players in the league, if not the best, for at least 15 which is, if not longer than anybody else, it's right near the top. I don't, and it, he's, this is not the first like superstar that he's played with. You've been around him way more than either of us have been. What do you see from LeBron from that, that leadership standpoint? Like, what, what kind of guy is he in, around his teammates? Just what, what do you see from your interactions with him? Well, so for LeBron... And as you mentioned, him being the best player on his team, he's had so many different versions of of uh, what his teammates were like. So who is the second best player on those Cleveland teams early? I mean, Big Z, like uh, Larry Hughes, you know, there, there wasn't necessarily an automatic like Mo Williams. There wasn't necessarily an automatic number two, another all star um, level player next to him. And then, of course, that all changes. And that's one of the biggest reasons it seems like he goes to Miami. Um, and then that first year, while they end up losing in the finals, he did ultimately, I think, play very nicely with Dwayne Wade, uh, even though on the court it wasn't always at its most uh, – uh, it, it wasn't the cleanest. They had to figure that stuff out. But the leadership stuff, it seemed to seemed to be fine. He was he was okay with Dwayne getting shine here and there. The third guy with Bosh, you know, that's always going to be a little bit more different, uh, difficult, just like it was with Kevin Love, whereas Kyrie seemed to fit more into that mold once he got back to Cleveland. But so all, all he always found a way, though, to, uh, to I think, make that work. The situation in Los Angeles last year, uh, we know, was quite different with no second star with all of the young guys and him trying to sort of raise the collective floor of the group, which he did by his mere presence. But with Anthony Davis, it did. I think this is the first time where he brought in another star, but he was age 35. AD was 27, so they had that healthy age gap. LeBron's established. He's got his rings. Uh, they, they have this prior relationship going back to the Olympics, so uh, their games complement each other. AD isn't going to dom- dominate the ball. You know, he's going to give uh, peak effort defensively. So I think that that was part of the draw from AD or for LeBron to AD before he even came to the team. And so it was almost always Pete uh, set up that this was going to work really well. That was the biggest, I think, basis for how it then filtered down to the rest of the lineup. But uh, LeBron this year, I don't care if you talk to AD or Vogel or uh, Rondo or Caruso, they all said the same thing about LeBron's leadership this year and that it was fantastic. And so I, I, to me, it's hard to gauge. We, I guess we could call McMenamin back uh, to talk about the Cleveland days, but it's hard to gauge how he could have been any better from a leadership standpoint. Uh, and and I mean that from seeing from in the locker room, from uh, from in the hotel, on the bus, on the plane, like it, there was not a moment this season where we had anything other than uh, him being in, in a good place in that sense. And I do think winning helps, right? <laughs> they, they were good from the start. They carried that through, um, in, especially in a turbulent year. But yeah, I, I, that's a, it's a long winded way of saying that it was fantastic uh, this year. And, and, and it's hard to picture it being much better. The thing that struck me and I'm wondering, it would be good to get Pete's perspective here, but also yours too, Mike. The thing that struck me from a real outsider's perspective, right, from where I sit, I, I'm not even going to practices or, or shoot arounds to, to ask questions or be around them from that environment at all, is LeBron always seemed to strike the right sort of tone with this group. And 
finding the right balance between let's get after it, right? And we're going to compete and let's go at things hard and let's be very focus-driven and goal-driven while also finding that joy that he had earlier in his career where he wanted to make it fun. He wanted to make sure that there was some levity. And um, Pete, you and I spoke spoke about this on the pod a, like a while back. Like it might have even been one of our preseason pods heading into this year. And we had talked about wanting LeBron to to rediscover that joy that he had, right? Because that clearly was not there last year for a bunch of different reasons. I think it was probably there early during the year from them trying to establish a culture and mix in the young guys with with those vets. And he gave that his best shot, but then the injury came and then all the young guys got hurt. And it was just a really, just just like you said, just a snake-bitten season. And that was coming off of several years in Cleveland where I felt like those expectations for him had ramped up so high that even after winning the championship, it was clear that by the end of that run, right, like Kyrie Irving got traded and and, and the joy seemed gone for him. And then, he, and then he goes to Los Angeles, right? So I want to kick it back to, to both of you about how important you think it was, and maybe I'm off base with this, that, that he really did walk that line to me between carrying a serious tone, but never so serious that the idea that this should be fun escaped them. And and that was never out of reach for them. Am I off base with that? I think this team was very much built around cooperation on a number of different levels. And I think with the fun comes from that, right? It comes from working with other people really hard toward a shared goal. There's something that comes from that. It's the whole band of brothers thing in the military, right? Where when you go through something together, and Lord knows Lakers went through a lot this year, it builds a type of camaraderie and that you can't have on its own. With he and AD, they're part of the same agency. So, and there's a relationship that goes back to the USA team in 2012, right? But the quote uh, that, that I, I let off with from LeBron talking about his dynamic with AD really speaks to somebody who's been through it a couple of times before yeah. and seen the ways that it can go sideways with another superstar, right? And it's a, it's, a delicate balance. We we saw this with Shaq and Kobe for years. We live, we we look at it back all these years later, and like, oh, they won three titles, they did a three peat, and all of that. That was a tough dynamic, and we kind of brush over that twenty years later in a lot of respects. But like you said, those they're the the two alphas that can very easily clash, and that spirit of cooperation. How do you build cooperation? It's it's. One rooting for each other, right? Genuinely caring for the other person's success. Mike's point about the age gap, I think, is really important in that they are not like they are peers in some sense, but in others they are not. And LeBron is kind of a mentor in in that respect. But that cooperation also comes from accountability and holding each other accountable. And one thing that stood out to me on the floor, Mike, was LeBron's defense this season. I feel like AD really catalyzed that. Uh, 
what did you see from him on the defensive end this year in year number 17? He was one of the better wing defenders in the NBA, even in the regular season. Yeah, he really was. And I think what that what that told us is that as much as this team, we saw them have fun you know, as the season went on. And this is, of course, aside from all of the ridiculous stuff going on off the court in 2020. But we saw them having fun at practices, at shoot arounds, at games like this was a team that liked each other. But more than that, they were a serious team. They like they were. These were guys that 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 like LeBron needed to win this year, right? That was the that was the the fact that he was able to have fun while doing it was because they were having success, and I think that is what should be accepted and understood for any team sport and and really individual one as well. But that did remind me of the Lakers that when they last won when I started covering the Kobe and Powell and Lamar and Bynum Lakers. Those were serious teams. Uh, they were, and and I think sure they had they did find some times uh, to have fun. Uh, maybe even a little bit less so than this year's group, and I think that's more due to the personalities uh, on the team than anything else. But ultimately, this year was about winning, and that was what LeBron's message was. And Pete, that's what the defense told you that even okay from day one, and and I think Vogel gets some credit, AD gets some credit, but LeBron, like LeBron, doesn't need that much help in terms of what his mindset is. He knows the game, he knows the score, and he knew that with this group, if he did commit in that in that sense. Uh, that the team was going to win and they did <laughs> and that's how they won the title right that's that's what carried through the whole season well i think that there's there's off-court leadership and there's on-court leadership right and those two things go go hand in hand but they're sometimes separate as well right be because there are guys who are just lead by example guys who are not very vocal um and then there are guys who are maybe role player types like Derek Fisher was a great example of this, I think, where he was a very vocal locker room person and he played hard and played his best, but he was not at the talent level or caliber of player as a Kobe Bryant or a Shaq or even a Pau Gasol or a Lamar Odom or Andrew Bynum, right? He he wasn't going to sniff an all-star game. But LeBron, I thought, did both of those things, both lead as a vocal leader and someone who brought presence and experience and um, a focus off the court, but also on the court. And that idea that Mike just spoke about, Pete, that from day one, his buying in defensively, that's when you know that none of the other guys are going to be able to slack off. Right. If because if LeBron is going to take possessions off or quarters off or full games off defensively, that gives other players the right to do the same thing. And then even if LeBron barks at you, that has the potential to sow seeds of discontent. Right. Because how come you get to do this? How come you get to take a possession off? But. I don't. You're going to bark at me. So the one thing I want to I want to just this is I want to give LeBron credit in a sense, because I think that especially nationally in Darius, what you just mentioned, it's all true. But you we sometimes the implication is that there were other seasons where LeBron didn't bring it defensively in the regular season. And of course, part of that is true in certain games. But the only reason for that was to maintain and to elongate his body so that when the playoffs came, he could ring that bell at the highest level. And 
and when he would do that would be like in Cleveland where he knew the offense was good enough that they were going to get to the finals. Like he didn't need to, to play at that peak intensity level, nor should anybody when they're past year 10, let alone year 17. It's just not physically possible to go across 365 games. That's generally why MVPs are younger because they are they just have that that gas tank is able to carry them through and most of those guys are not playing to the finals every year. So, I just I I've always thought that, that that LeBron didn't get enough credit for the simple fact that he was planning out and plotting the whole season, Pete, and he had this season, the fact that he was able to um to 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 sustain a 365 plus day season. And sure, you take out the four months, but like he didn't really take off days on his body. That to me is part of the most remarkable thing about that. And we haven't even talked about his, you know, the ridiculous way he can run an offense and like all of that stuff. But just the the mental uh, desire and the 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 his ability to to put that through a whole season plus at this age is is really remarkable to me. One thing I've really grown to appreciate about LeBron from watching him on a day-to-day basis, and I uh, I want to hear from your guys' perspective too, the difference between watching him every day versus watching him from afar. As as from afar as you can watch one of the most ubiquitous you know players of all time, is the level of preparation, like the the mileage that he has on his body at this point. He's played more minutes, you know, p- combined, and you know, regular season and playoff minutes than almost anybody in the history of the NBA. And he's still an MVP caliber player. And that point about one of the underrated aspects about his run this season is that point you're making, Mike, about like he's ramping his body up to be able to perform at a certain time of year. And that certain time of year is the same time of year every other season. But this year, it was significantly different. Darius, I'm curious, both from a, that preparation standpoint, but also the, the leadership again, what were the challenges that LeBron faces, kind of like yeah. the face of the team to get this team to the point where it was, where we saw other top seeds, like part of me wonders with the Clippers and the Bucks and all of that is if we're playing games at, at Staples Center, in Milwaukee, if it's a regular postseason, not in this bubble environment, does it turn out differently? Maybe, maybe not. But we know that the Lakers were able to navigate that in large part, I believe, because of LeBron's leadership. I think mostly because of LeBron's leadership, honestly. I, like, I think that if you were drawing a bar graph, his graph is probably off of the page right in terms of his impact in this specific area and this is throughout the entire season and i think that he it started very early in the year with the trip to china and the leadership that he took on not only for his team but i think for all of the players that were there which is then sort of impacting the league itself right and and the perspective that he brought to those behind the scenes meetings that the players had with Adam Silver and with the coaching representatives and trying to build out a strategy that that was going to shield the players in a way from not having to be out in front of what was happening with the controversy that came about from Daryl Morey's tweet so those seeds then, I think, were planted very early 
with LeBron being very front and center for this team in a way that was going to be meaningful and where I think it really put him in a position where the other players knew that he had everyone's best interests at heart right? And that he was going to try to protect them when needed and guide them through difficult situations. And I think that that showed itself over and over and over again this season. And some of that, I think, is maturity. I think some of that is LeBron not only understanding his position within the league and within the organization and understanding the organization's position as one of the marquee, if not the marquee franchises that represents the league. So he not only understands that stuff, but he embraced it, right? And that idea then that he's going to place himself in the middle of of all of that and be the compass in a way, I think that that was so important for this team from the very beginning. I'm going to be careful the way that I tell this story, but I was I was talking to a to somebody who works for another team, and so this is all secondhand, but there what they told me was that the coach of that team was you know during the playoffs right there the team is watching the game in the in the war room uh, the one of the Laker games right this team is this team is uh, is out of playoff contention um, and was like uh, you know what Ron, like Rondo's the leader of that team look at like look at LeBron barking at you know player X and and I almost lost it on him um, on the phone and and I'm just like <laughs> like look. A, that's just insane. Uh, anybody that that was even remotely near this team will tell you that LeBron was terrific. Uh, Plinka, Vogel, the bet, the AD, the worst player on the team. Um, anybody, the scout. Like it's it's just so that that from its own right was insane. Secondly, he's showing leadership by barking at somebody because he is more prepared than anybody else about that's what the is accountability, ha- right? Yeah, about what that's is the happening accountability. on the court. He depended on. AD to hold him accountable too. That's a good thing in sports. To yeah, have that. and so like that, and to, so for it to come like from somebody else that's actually that in, that sh- not just a fan, but like somebody that should be knowledgeable yeah. about these types of things was just. And I'm like, really, and it's kind of like the Skip Bayless thing. Like we're we're in year 17 of this, right? And we're still questioning LeBron's leadership. Like, just look at the production. Look at where, and I and I would say the same thing when anybody would come at Kobe. Uh, with like yeah. what? What are you talking like? What, look at what this guy does. Look at what he's. Des- it's agendas, man. Look at what he's desperately doing. So that that's all. But that that was just something that that bugged me. That I assume would bug you guys and bug anybody else who really knows what they're talking about. Um, now the the thing that I that I that also occurred to me. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch the shot, uh, but mm-hmm. President Barack Obama was on it, and I, I it just struck me. Like sitting there, here's LeBron. It's just him and Maverick Carter, his childhood friend, who they built this uh, this uh, media and and, uh, and now voting and like everything else empire. And President Obama is like thrilled to be sitting there talking to him. And that's who LeBron could call when he didn't really know what else to do. Um, when uh, like with Jacob Blake in in the in the horrific shooting in Wisconsin in in like the middle of the pandemic and it's just just that mere fact of of what he's able like that also is a a form of leadership and a form of um, kind of character like when you can call on on somebody that has more respect than most people 
um, in the country and, and not to make this a political a political thing at all. But just I'm just like, check the stats, check the check the percentage of people um, that that who consider, can call Barack Obama at midnight. Right. Yeah. Like, how many people can can and, do that? And it just yeah. was like even that. And then for to have him then come on the show, like just it's just a, that that is uh, I know it's this is sounding very rosy, but it should be like that's that's the point. You don't have to you don't have to apologize for what the facts are uh, in a situation like this. And, and that just that really uh, that I, I was just sitting there like, man, this this is this is what he brought with him to the Lakers. And a lot of people get credit for what they did this year. But as you said, Pete, moments ago, uh, nobody gets more credit than LeBron James. It's, it's just period. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about his on-court game a, a lot more, right? Where, again, the difference between watching a guy when he comes on national TV and when he's uh, in the playoffs versus watching him on a day-to-day basis with my nose fully, you know, dived into the tape and with all of the the up-close interactions that you guys have, I can't wait to hear kind of what you've learned about LeBron over this last year that, that maybe, maybe you didn't, maybe you knew, but it gives different dimensions that aren't possible from, from a distance. So let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll talk about his on-court game. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. So right now, go to Indeed.com backslash podcast. Terms and conditions apply, and the offer is valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over, and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So... As a Laker fan and as a Kobe fan, LeBron has always been kind of a natural foil for the vast majority of his career, right? He was the guy that was coming for Kobe's crown and myself and many other Laker fans were naturally predisposed to be like, yeah, screw that guy, right? And so him coming to the Lakers for a lot of Laker fans has been a, a like, all right, you know, like I'm rooting for him, but let, let's see what you got. Let's see what it is on a day-to-day basis. And he's... Everything and more of of what I'd hoped he would be, and that has been borne out with the result of how this season went. One of the reasons I always liked Kobe, and one of the reasons I have an affinity for AD, are those triple threat skills. That jab, step, rip through, step back. I got a video coming out on, uh, as this gets published, it'll come out tomorrow on, uh, on AD's step backs, and I'll have a longer one explaining them. 
and but it's that triple threat mid post type of game and that's not really lebron's type of game but the thing i've really come to appreciate in his the technical aspects of his game is the technique within power. He is a power player. And Darius, you remember when Shaq used to like seal a guy on his hip or the ways he'd use his forearm or just like yeah. Shaq knew how to be big in ways that not every big guy knows how to be big. The same can be said of LeBron in, although he adds the dimension of being a ball handler, there are so many times where he'll make contact with the defender when the defender is on one foot or a little bit off balance. And so a completely legal play, he will make contact at 260 pounds and fast and will completely just knock that defender off of his spot. I, that's the thing I've really come to appreciate with LeBron is, oh, he really understands how to leverage his power to create advantage. For you, Darius, from watching him on a day-to-day basis, what stands out to you on the court that maybe you didn't quite have the same appreciation for before he became a Laker? So let me just say- Oh, Pete, yeah. I knew this was coming. I know so that wouldn't go unanswered. You answered. called me out the last pod of, with the KCP stuff, right? No. The whole idea that if you were a Lakers fan and a Kobe fan, and now you get LeBron James on your team, and you harbor sure. some misgivings based off of fandom for what this guy, for your own personal no, fan, no, it's not that. It's just like and try to leverage that. On, as it's a, weird to root for, to see LeBron. If Larry Bird became player. a Laker man, I would have been like, no, this that's not the same. That's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same. But LeBron was one of the one of the foils. It's like, or if Jordan became a Laker, right? Bri- please, please, l- l- sure. Like, bring him in. Oh, hey, bro, I, I want a LeBron. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that from a Laker fan perspective, I'm not saying it's rational. It was just like that was a dude we were arguing against on late on message boards ten years ago, right? I appreciate that last part. You no, were arguing like, against in defense LeBron of Kobe. James? Hell yeah, I was. Oh, no, no. See, so this is where, uh, sorry, and this is just some wild ass tangent that that we're on now. I have always been as a fan. There is a certain sports hate that exists to me and and mostly I never sports hated LeBron. It's not the same. Definitely not the Celtics. Yeah. A couple of pods ago. Right. To me, to me. There's always this idea of appreciating greatness, and there is a certain level Mm -hmm. that once you get beyond that level, there is only respect for me. There's only respect, right? And that's that's a very high bar, and the threshold to clear is is incredibly high. So I'm not going to act like every great all NBA level player gets to that point, but LeBron James was at that Mm -hmm. point. Michael Jordan was at that point. Yeah. Like Larry Bird was at that no. point. Right. <laughs> Kevin McHale was not at that point. Right. Yeah. But Larry Bird was. And you could go on, you can go over the last 40 years, right? Like my entire lifetime, there's maybe you can count the number of guys that were like that on a single hand. Right. But LeBron was was one of those guys. And so in terms of appreciation, there's not much that I see now that I have this great new appreciation for. But what I will say is that seeing him do it night after night after night at a certain level, that's 
that's the thing that you appreciate. And it's the same appreciation I had for a guy like Kobe and for a guy like Magic Johnson, right? Is when you see a player perform at that level and leverage all of the things that he's able to leverage and call on all these different facets of his game, which makes him so great. That's what I was like, oh my God, this dude is amazing. I always respected LeBron. The the particular point I'm trying to make is that Kobe was a masterful technician. Yeah. Right? He was that jab step jab step had every bit of footwork down had every shot and that's not really lebron's type of game and so there is some degree from a basketball perspective of uh oh he's just he big it's his athletic gifts right and sure. we're seeing him up close i've been able to see like oh there's a nuance like, now that you appreciate there's a nuance that i appreciate for sure i'm with you 100 there and there are all of these little things that he does even now that he maybe doesn't have the same first step as he did like a decade ago, right? Like there was a playoff, there was an old playoff game that was on N well, NBA TV the other day. And it was that, that game where LeBron finally got over the Pistons and he scored like 17 or 23, some crazy number yeah, of points run, consecutive, right? Yeah. And and he had these crazy drives and he dunked on Sheed and then he drove right by Tayshaun Prince and did a scoop layup. And it was just like, this dude physically is at a whole nother level. And I think when you, when you watch him every sixth game or seventh game instead of every game, then those things, those those takeaways are more general. They are more, oh, look at him just drive by this guy or look at him just jump over a dude. And what you don't appreciate is how he does have a little bit of a hesitation with his dribble, how he does sort of faint the jumper to make you get up on your heels a little bit and then explode. And then he puts you in the sidecar, right, to, to and knocks you off balance a little bit. All of the body control stuff that, that he does in terms of finishing, where it's not just strength, it's his ability to not only take well, take the hit, but maintain a shooting position in in order to get some some of these these shots off. And game after game after game, he's showing you just a little bit more of what's possible to do with a player that is that big and that fast and that strong and that skilled. And the whole package operating at peak function, which we saw during the playoffs, is just an otherworldly player. But the the thing that I think I appreciated most was just how how proficient he could be when he clearly wasn't operating at that same level, right? Where at the end of the game, the box score is still, oh, look at LeBron. He's got 29, 8, and 10. And how that even happened. It didn't even look like he played that well. Right. He didn't look like he was going all that hard for about, you know, 40% of the game. And I'm wondering, Mike, if there were, because you've got even a different vantage point, right? You're the sideline reporter. You're you're someone who is up close and seeing these games a lot of times from a way different position than any TV yeah. angle or even fans that, that are up in the stands. Are there nuances that you've seen from watching him where you're just like, oh my goodness, like I've never seen really anyone operate quite like this. Yeah, it's the it's the physical dominance paired with the mental dominance. But I want to go down yeah. your guys's uh, history rabbit hole first before I get back to that. Uh -oh. Pete, do you 
So at the beginning of the podcast, you said LeBron's been the best player in the league for 15 years. Now, I, I wasn't sure. Did No, no, I said he's been in the con- No, I said he's been in the conversation. Okay, for did I hear that wrong? Darius, are you agreeing with Pete? Uh, people can rewind. I for Okay, so it, the reason I mentioned that specifically is tied back into the Kobe LeBron thing. And, and I, you know, I. My perspective, of course, is much different because as I came out here, um, you know, sort of hired as as a reporter and I've, I've talked about that in this podcast. So I've, I've tried to keep it to like I I just have to be as uh, as impartial and fair to the basketball <laughs> as possible, which has made it which which can be tricky when you're you know in Staples Center and you're interviewing Kobe after the games. But so what my perspective, though, was was the one that at that time, Kobe was the best player in the league. LeBron was coming. But what he had not mm-hmm. done yet, and there's some similarities to where Giannis is now, he had not yet in those in the, the late playoff series games, barring a couple exceptions, he hadn't sort of made those type of shots that we are raised on watching Jordan hit and then watching Kobe hit. And, and those were sort of the two guys with, you know, with Shaq and Tim Duncan, you know, KG for a year mixed in as as the guys with the crown. They had done that. They had done it in the postseason. They had won. So there was still a it was an easy argument to make. I'm um, still at that point, despite the overwhelming statistical evidence that was coming in on LeBron. Uh, and, and that then that evolved, of course, as he actually won. And then that whole argument went away. And I think that most of us, you two included, were you kind of acknowledged that, OK, yeah, yeah, now now he is officially taken over. But it did it did it did take a while. And that's a separate argument, of course, from what your Laker fan impulses are to not wanting him to be better than your guy, which is which I get like that's a total fan thing. Go, go ahead, Darius. I tell the story, and I think I've told it on the pod before, but there are two moments, I think, that highlight that exact evolution that you talk about, Mike. And they actually don't have to do with the NBA at all. They have to do with the Olympics. And in 2008, Kobe had just won the MVP. They had just lost in the finals to the Celtics. And now they're in Beijing, and they're competing together on the same team for the gold medal. And throughout that Olympic run, you could tell that Kobe was the one who sort of took the lead as being the top guy. And you saw it in the gold medal game where pretty much every great player that was on that team turned to him. And it wasn't just that they turned and literally like said, like, do this for us. It was Kobe taking that position and saying, I got this, right? And everyone else falling in line behind him to accomplish that goal. Fast forward four years later to London, and I will never forget this possession. And I think this was in the gold medal game as well. The, I can't remember the exact way the play unfolded, but the game was fairly close and a shot goes up and, the ball might have even got tipped around a little bit, and Team USA is on an offense. They shoot the ball. The ball misses. The ball is scrambling around some, but Kobe ends up with the loose ball. And instead of him reorganizing everything, he turned, he passed the ball to LeBron, and he went, and Kobe went and reset, and he mm-hmm. stood on a different part of the court, sort of like, you get us organized. And I thought that symbolically to me, that was like, oh, Kobe's given the ball to this dude now. 
right? And it was, to me, even if it had happened before this, it, w- it was a symbolic passing of the torch a little bit, just in that single moment where I thought, ah, yes, like there isn't any more of a debate around this LeBron is at the top of the league now and even a player like Kobe within the context of just this single possession I thought that he recognized it there well that's the thing is about the you've got to earn the crown right when you're talking about the best player in the game conversation I personally don't believe that LeBron passed Kobe until around 2012 or so in terms of the the current rankings yeah but he was entering conversations as early as 2007 or so LeBron was. And the Giannis comparison is similar in that I think that there are certain things that happen at the highest levels of basketball in those conference finals, in the finals that you have to be able to execute that I think like the 2011 finals, even LeBron speaks to what a learning experience that was. But LeBron was in the conversation for the best players in the league as, you know, as early as that. Yeah. So LeBron had to go through that progression and go through even that failure in 2011, I think, to really see what he needed to add to his game. And since then, Mike, like when you think back on those teams back then and up up to now with your up close vantage point of, of LeBron, uh, like what? What do you see as this as this older player? I have some thoughts on the long potential longevity of LeBron because of the nature of his game, but I'm curious what you see from that up close vantage point. Yeah, the so the the physical and mental combo, uh, and and I so part of the physical, and this this is this is not to answer this the question directly because going back to the Giannis point or the early LeBron point. It's not that we worship hero ball and buzzer beaters. It's that sometimes and oftentimes, I should say, in these big games, you just have to hit shots like tough contested Mm -hmm. shots. And that was the part where LeBron early in his career, you could still double team him or force him to try to take a turnaround jumper or a three or whatever. And he was not as likely to hit it early in his career. It just like so his three point percentage rookie year, 33, second year, 28, third year, 25, fourth year, 33. Right, fifth year, forty. That was he started to get better. But he, uh, uh, these are in the these are in the playoffs, by the way. Um, like at regular season, the numbers are, are less uh, less stark. But like the, the here, as I'm looking at him here, so 29, 35, 33, 31, 31, 34, 33, 33. Right, then he sort of hits a point in Miami, and all of a sudden you see that ticking up into the in the forties or the high thirties, and like that that's the part that Giannis still doesn't have. So like he can't mm-hmm. have that torch. Um, until he really shows that he makes a big gain sure. in that part. So that's that's just th- that's part of what that was. In Kobe and Jordan, there was never any sh- question there, right? They also brought it sure. defensively. They could also get a guy's shot. They could also dunk and attack the rim. But when it all broke down, they could get their they could get their shot off. Now, just more simply, watching LeBron up close and personal, basketball to me, and, and I think Frank Vogel would still agree, is still about scoring at the rim and defending the rim. And those are two things that LeBron still, if you give me anyone in the league and you give him the ball at the top of the key and you say, go to the hoop and finish or just make something happen, draw four defenders, kick out. He still does that better than everybody. And and that to me is still, that's the most valuable possible thing when all else fails in basketball. If you've got somebody that's big enough, that has the skill to score at the rim, that's the thing that tears teams apart, that tears defenses apart. And then on the other end, he still he has the size, the athleticism to still then impact things on that side of the floor at the rim. 
Yeah. And, and I, so that's, Anticipation that, too. and that's, that's right. Yeah. That, that bakes into a peep, but that's still in person. Like the mental thing is one thing. It's a, you can almost get that vantage point guys sitting at home because when you're watching the whole floor, but when you're up close, it's just that like he's, his physicality at both sides of the court at the rim is always what stands out to me above everybody else. Two of the biggest plays, I think this season to me, um, during the regular season, at least were that driving play he had on Giannis right mid post left block rip through. right rip through strong hand drive to the middle of the court finish on the right side of the basket layup against the clippers it was that isolation at the top of the floor against marcus morris right he gave a little hang dribble explosion to the basket layup and one and mike that speaks exactly to your point that when it came to those big moments this season and he did it during the playoffs time after time after time i mentioned this on one of the podcasts like during the playoffs that it might have been during the denver series and i watched i went on nba.com and i watched every single made basket that lebron had had during the playoffs to that point and it felt like every single one of them was a freaking layup or dunk like like there were obviously a lot of three pointers mixed in but his ability and will when it came down to it to get to the basket and create a good shot a lot of times for himself, but also for teammates, right? But that ability to threaten the rim and get there time after time after time was just spectacular. So in year 17, he's doing that. And that's where I started to really appreciate that technique within his power and why I'm really bullish about his longevity is there are two things that are not going to go away. He's going to be big and strong, and he's going to be able to handle the basketball. And that, when he's 36, 37, 38, he's still going to be those things. I was really taken by how many in the playoffs, when he really turned it up, and even over that weekend against Milwaukee and the Clippers, where he got like older brother type of buckets on some of the best defenders in the NBA, right? Where it's just like, I'm going to spin and I'm going to back you down and I've got the handles to be able to seal you on each side and I'm not going to give up my dribble. And all of a sudden I'm right underneath the basket and maybe you block it up high. That's something that that happened a few times when he did that, but uh, he's definitely collapsing your defense and he's able to score in that manner while also being able to score out of the post. So Mike going forward, like there's obviously a strength and conditioning component to this that I'm not as well versed in as I am other elements of basketball that like if he wasn't completely dedicated to this, his body would have broken down in ways that literally every other pl- basketball player in history after this type of mileage, their bodies have. But he combines that with an understanding of how to use his power and his ball handling in a way where like, what, what does the future hold? Do you think for LeBron? What are, as we look to hopefully repeat and and hopefully beyond with this team, how is, will he be able to, how, how will he be able to like maintain this level of play? I think that his, his mastery of the game mentally is, is such now that he, he knows how to it, it's weird to say that he knows how to pace himself physically because he really he didn't really pace himself that much this year he just is he's now become a ridiculous expert at recovery 
And uh, that's that's an element that, you know, maybe you could say you could bring Tom Brady into this and look what he's doing this year at his age. What is he, 43 uh, in, in yeah. that sport? And like that's other than that. I mean, I don't I don't know of another player uh, that's been in, in, in Brady still as good as he is. You know, he's not like the unquestioned best player in the game like LeBron. And maybe I shouldn't say unquestioned to me. He is the unquestioned best player in the game still. And. Where does he go, like, just just for next year? Because I, I do think it's tricky um, to start looking too far down the future. But just just even for next year, you could just put him on the block X times a game and have a brilliant offense. And now, what I don't AD's know is... guard skills really help that too, right? Like, yeah. AD, your other superstar can space the floor, can handle the ball, and allow that to happen. Yeah, but like I guess the good news is you don't have to do that yet. And and what I what I love about where this team can go next year, specifically around LeBron, is that they've now they've learned how to play and they've 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 got that defensive intensity. I think there's gonna be a certain amount of that that's locked in. There's a certain amount of confidence, I think, that goes through from winning the title. And like all of that stuff, I think, is can allow LeBron to exist in the in that same sphere that he's in without having to uh, without having to push himself to the point where uh, where he did sometimes early in the season. But I don't know. I'm almost confusing myself thinking about it, guys, because it's I don't see a physical drop off happening next year. And it seems insane to think that. But, you know, he's he's going to be 36 like next year. That's still that's not that old. Like his uh, he's he's going to continue to do this treatment. Um, he's got the resources to do so. And it's just uh, it's there's no reason for me to, to expect a decline. The thing that you said, Mike, that stands out to me was you use the term mental mastery. And he's still in that sweet spot to me where, and I think this specifically applies to basketball players even more than any other sport because of the, you play both ends, right? That you never leave the field basically during the course of game action. Basketball players often talk about that there is this window of time when you are still able to perform at a high level physically, but you've gotten enough reps and experience now to see the game really moving in slow motion, right? And LeBron's such a basketball savant that, that that's probably been true for him for a really long time, but he actually did need other parts of his skill game to catch up a little bit, especially the shooting aspect. You know, Mike talked about throwing him in the post right? And you could do that. You could also literally stand them at the top of the key and you could run 50 pick and rolls with him a game. You could stand them at the top of the key and he could just handle the ball and orchestrate offense and direct people. You could put him at pinch post. You could put him at the elbow. You could run all of these different actions through him, like in a very similar way to like Nikola Jokic for example, right? And you would get all the benefits of how smart he is and how much of a threat he is from different parts of the floor without necessarily taxing him as much physically where he's really trying to drive a lot or um, penetrate the defense simply off of isolation basketball or even take a pounding in the post 
right by by going to that well over and over again he is he is such a smart player that you can position him anywhere on the court and he's going to retain a certain amount of effectiveness just because of how he thinks and sees the game and so when you talk about longevity Pete it's that idea of he can continue to just impact the game by the way that he sees things. It, it, it sort of reminds me of Magic Johnson when he had his comeback in 96, right, where he was 265. He was probably 30 or 40 pounds heavier than what he was during he his came prime. came back as a power forward when he was a point guard. Yeah, yeah. but he was he was like a point power forward, right? He would still operate in the middle of the break. He would post up a lot more. He would pass out out of the post. And and there was just a lot of like, oh, this dude still sees the game at a genius level. And there's not a lot of guys in the league that see the game that way. So he's always going to see the game at a genius level at this point. He's achieved that and achieved that long ago. But what makes him really exceptional is that he's physically been capable of doing it longer. That whole, those elements of physical capability and wisdom and experience, those are like two elevators where the wisdom and experience starts on the first floor and then the physical abilities at the 10th floor and the, the one's going down, the other's going up. And when they both meet around that fifth floor, that's when a player is in their prime, right? But LeBron has been in that window of kind of being a basketball avatar, master of all of the elements for so long mentally. And that happens for all, all of the – like Jason Kidd's still a brilliant player. Magic Johnson is still – has a brilliant understanding of – how to play basketball, but they cannot play basketball anymore, right? At least at the NBA level. And so what I would argue and what I've seen with him is that he, by being able to be the best player in the NBA and in that conversation for so long, he is pushing the game forward. I always think to Kobe's tweet, Kobe's last tweet of keep pushing the game forward in that the players that come after him will be studying LeBron's workout regimen, his recovery, his mastery of recovery that Mike was talking about, his in-game load management, knowing when to rest and things that impact his body in that way. He's pushing because he's been in that longer than anyone else. He's discovering things about basketball that nobody else has discovered because nobody else has been in that place. And that's part of that whole pushing the game forward element that uh, I, I'm really so attracted to in LeBron's game. And it's been really wonderful to to like fall in love with the basketball of him, right? After being that nerd on a message board saying like, oh, Kobe's my guy and like being giving begrudging like obviously LeBron was always great, right? It was never that, but it was that like, Kobe's my guy, right? And that that lizard brain, and and so much of it was predicated on, oh well, Kobe has mastered basketball. He the jab steps and the rip throughs and the step backs and all of the pretty things that I the footwork, all of that can work on. I have grown to appreciate how LeBron too has gotten everything that he can out of his talents. It's just he's in a bigger, faster, stronger body, right? And he's and he's able to see more of the uh, the team game, right? Like, whereas Kobe's kind of the, again, going back to the Avatar references, Kobe's Fire Nation, right? Like, Kobe will drop 81 on you and is capable of doing that. Whereas LeBron understands how all of the pieces fit together. Am I making sense, Mike? Yeah, of course. And so LeBron right now, 
is the all-time leading scorer in the postseason, which uh, which you know you would surmise given that he's also now played the most postseason games, right? Just passing Fish, um, and he's second in assists. Like regular season, he's third in scoring, and I believe eighth in assists. Um, I'd have to double check that, but I, I think he's eighth, and I think like Chris Paul uh, is just one spot ahead of him. But just just that the scoring and the passing, like that alone, that you still saw in the regular season this year that you still saw in the postseason. And we're not talking about rebounding or reading the defense, just, just as a, the, the two things you think the most about when you just like take your four-year-old or uh, out for their first basketball practice, like the, that's the first thing you, you know, everyone's thinking about shooting and passing and really shooting first, right. And then passing later. And then maybe you talk about rebounding little, and it's just the staggering number of points and assists that he's done uh, and Darius talked about some of the places on the floor you could take advantage of doing that, but he still he still can now score at every level. Um, he can pass from every level, and though that part of his like where he's gotten his skill set up to in confluence with what Kobe did, and that constant pursuit of excellence on that on that end, that is remarkable too. Um, and and it's uh, it's it, it th- those are the things that have turned him from this crazy incredible athlete you know coming out where with the with an nfl body um it, it, like coming out as an 18 year old and he but he kept the skill work up enough to be able to score that much and to be able to 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 uh total that many assists mike he led the league in assists this year in his 17th <laughs> season yeah 10.2 a game he basically played point guard right the lakers didn't start another ball handling guard in their lineup, right? So we had like so, one other guy on the whole team that could that could do it consistently, yeah. right? And we talked about that last pod about how consistently should probably be put in air quotes, be based off of how it was during the regular season, right? And and, and so LeBron really was the totem for this team, right? He was the guy. He was the one who brought it all together, right? And. I bring it back full circle now because we've we've actually talked a lot about Kobe this pod and I think that it's apropos because a they were rivals during their playing career and I think during this season you when Kobe was still with us you started to see more of that connectivity between them when Kobe would would come to games and then Kobe Bryant tragically passes away and that was just a terrible thing for the entire league for the entire sport and for i think athletes in across the world in multiple sports right but it was acute for the lakers as a franchise and for a lot of the players on on this team and and again, th- this is totally from an outsider's perspective, and, and so maybe Mike, you could speak speak to this a little bit more, to because maybe it felt different from being so close to the situation as well as you were. But I remember LeBron's speech, um, that first game back, and, and you you know he had he had the the paper and it was all written down, and then he crumbled it up, and then he just sort of spoke from from his heart. And I remember saying this, I said it on Twitter at the time, but um, that regardless of what LeBron accomplishes in his Lakers career, and this was back in, you know, 
early February or late January or whenever it was um, when they played that 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 first game, I said, I'll be thankful that he was here during this time, that he was he was the person who had the perspective, he had the leadership, he had the gravitas, he had the um, emotional even keeledness. There were just so many leadership qualities that I thought he brought to the table that were significant and meaningful for this team, for this year, in all of the things that they faced, but especially through the Kobe Bryant tragedy. And um, and just thinking about it now makes it all even, everything that they've done makes it more special, right? But it also just reminds me of of how meaningful LeBron was as a man not just as a player but as a man for this for this organization and mike if there's anything you wanted to add to this please <clears throat> jump right in but but i i just didn't want a whole pod to go by without us at least bringing it back to that because it's it's been on my mind a lot in this last hour that we've been talking yeah so that that really week uh, leading into that uh, was was just so incredibly difficult and emotional and then i i think what i was kind of my i was selfishly originally hoping that they would play the clipper game just to kind of like have that band-aid of grief ripped off uh but but then in hindsight i kind of got it like it was just still for especially for the guys that had to play it was so raw and then so a couple of days later portland comes to town and we're all just getting to the arena that day right there's just of course it's just different everybody's kind of looking down you know, not quite sure what to do and and how many people in the NBA world and just in general could sort of step into that situation uh, that LeBron James did. And, you know, the, the answer is is very, very few. And I so my vantage point for that, my first or actually really most of the TV hits that I'll do for the side for the spectrum are right in front of the basket in between the Lakers bench and the basket. And so. I'm that's where I'm standing because this is all happening right before tip off. Uh, The whole ceremony goes through. And then, you know, during a a couple of different times, but I'm looking over and many of the players are on the bench crying. I'm crying. Everybody's crying. You guys are crying watching at home. And LeBron just kind of puts his arm around Quinn Cook, who's crying almost more than anybody else. In part, I think, due to the fact that Quinn's dad, um, no longer with us, like massive Kobe fan. And so like though that that type of thing had to fit in, right? Like we all that's one thing that I think that is so special about the Lakers in this city. It's a generational thing. It's something that you share with your siblings, with your uncles, with your grandpa, with your dad, with your mom. And so these the, they're comforting each other. And then out of that moment, LeBron still has to walk over to center court and somehow with all with the eyes of the world on him has to pull it together and has to say something. And that is kind of the peak, I think, of a leadership moment. But the reason that it doesn't surprise me is that there's not a single time that I've interviewed or anybody's interviewed LeBron this year where you ask him a single question and he doesn't have like he's got answers. It, it, it reminded me of Kobe in that same way. It reminded me of Phil Jackson and like the, the in its intellect. It's just it's intelligence. That's what that is. That's what that is. Honestly, man, like there's really no more to say about this guy. He was just 
the epitome of what you'd want from the from a face of a franchise player and the lakers as, as an organization i think have had several of those types of guys right going all the way back to the 50s and 60s right like they've almost had a face of the league guy on their roster through every period imaginable right going back to mike in to west to kareem and magic to then Kobe Bryant and Shaq in in his own way too and then and and then with Kobe again through the Pow era and then now with LeBron and and that leadership that you talked about and I think this is what made this season so special because it wasn't just the leadership it was also an incredible high level performance season from a player operating at near or at the peak of his powers in the 17th year of his NBA basketball career. And to be gifted with that as fans and to be able to watch him night after night after night carry that mantle in, in the way that he did, it was just special. And you, you know, we could probably go another 60 minutes talking about random LeBron things, but just a wonderful, wonderful player and season and an exceptional leadership job, just all of it tangled together. And he brought this team through to the end. And just like you said, man, forever appreciative, forever thankful that at this point in time, the Lakers had this guy. Well, guess what? LeBron's going to come up in every one of the other players' <laughs> podcasts that we do, uh, right? Because he was yeah. so central uh, to what they do, more so than than we talked about anybody in this one. But I I think that if we asked LeBron to summarize this season, he would say something like, "I you know I kept the main thing the main thing. That's the thing that he always says. He got it from Pat Riley, and that." I think summarizes part of what you guys were just talking about where that was he the whole season from the jump kept the title at top of mind that was what that was the approach that was the approach in china through after kobe passed it even re-intensified to covid to black lives matter and the social justice movement all of that time he kept in his mind when he got in his hyperbaric chamber when he did his strength sessions his core sessions with mike mancius um when he conducted social functions for the team when he broke down film it was always about winning the title and he got finals mvp as well he should have the one thing that bugs me a little bit is that he wasn't the regular season mvp uh i'll save that for that maybe it's maybe it's just me i get he i get he got finals mvp and the in the, the main thing the main thing all that but still that annoys me a little bit but yeah man that he 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 damn sure kept the main thing the main thing pete and he's been able to keep the main thing the main thing even in year 17 because he does the work, right? The physical, the conditioning, the circuits that he has to go through. He's a master of recovery, as you said. He has had to master all of these different elements of such a multifaceted game. And he's been able to do it for longer really than anybody else has and really grateful for everything he's done for the organization. Can't wait to see what the future holds with him. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you next time. 
Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it! It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com